the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Week 3 College Football Betting Preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me, as always, Colin Wilson. Colin, we uh, it's not the most appetizing slate, but that's why we have betting lines, and uh, there's some gross matchups on the board that we're going to talk about, which is why I'm wearing my Stogies with Pogie shirt. We'll talk a little Charlotte. We'll get to a lot of ugly games. If you just filter for top 25 on the action app and look at the spreads, you're like, oh, my. Uh, (laughs) A lot of big favorites. I will say, though, whenever there's a week like this, when it doesn't look great on paper, just from a results-based, you know, straight-up perspective, this is college football. I can almost guarantee you something crazy will happen. Someone that you don't expect will go down this weekend. If I had to go really out on a limb, I'm uncomfortable with Penn State going to play Illinois because Bielema has given James Franklin issues in the past. Not that I want to give Brett Bielema out a whole bunch of love, but he always finds a way to yeah. coach against James Franklin. I do not like that. That's a scary game. That's yeah. a scary game for sure. Um, and there's a lot of look ahead. So we'll we'll start there. And for what it's worth, with Illinois-Penn State, because we're not going to cover that game specifically yeah there's a couple things like illinois really misses chase brown and i have questions about the penn state receivers and that passing attack right that's going to determine the defense is great in order to reach their ceiling right for our futures and everything we've talked about the receivers need to emerge so if they don't get it done this week against a revamped illinois secondary then i'll have some concerns so Mm -hmm. but that's definitely a spot where illinois will be will play up and penn state We'll be happy to just get out of there with a win, trying to avenge a nine overtime loss. All right, let's start with look ahead or look away. Hangovers, sleepers, and the dreaded sandwich spot. Is it time to look ahead or look away? All right, we got 10 games. We'll run through some of them quicker than others. Let's start with a game that everyone uh, we'll be betting once again, Colorado, Colorado State. You know, if I'm going to go out on a limb, I'm going to say this game. If it would be Colorado State pulling off an upset against Colorado, that would be – it's something that you don't expect. And But um, if I'm going to pick, you know, a three-touchdown-plus underdog to win, I'm going to go with Colorado State. But Colorado State, this game will be played 10 Eastern at night in prime time with prime time at the helm. I love every minute of it. This is unbelievable. I love it. And it's worth noting that Colorado's up to a 23 and a half point favorite over under 61. It came out today. Jay Norvell said, you know, when I, I talk with my hat on, I take my hat and glasses off when I talk, when I do interviews, like my mom taught me. By the way, breaking news, just saw Colorado, a quote. Sir, I'm out of my own business watching some film, trying to get ready. Trying to get out of here and be the best coach I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that Dan said about us. Talk to us. Once again. Uh, talk to us. Why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? Sir. But when they give us ammunition, they unmatched Brown and made it what? <laughs> it was just going to be a good game. They unmatched Brown and made it personal. It was going to be a great test, a battle of Colorado, but they unmatched Brown and made it personal. Kept receipts. Uh, then Aaron Murray, former Georgia quarterback, quote retweeted and said, shoot, Colorado by 100. So I think that's going to be the, the general sentiment. Hopefully that narrative spreads and this line gets to 24. I'm waiting. I've talked to a couple of bookmakers. Everyone is betting Colorado again. Um, and 
maybe with this narrative and then as we get closer to the weekend, I'm sure we'll get more Colorado action. So I'm waiting to see if we get 24. I still like Colorado State at plus 23 and a half. This is a really good spot just situationally for Colorado State, right? So they've had a, they had a bye week while Colorado has played two power five teams, big emotional wins, including last week in their home opener. And they beat the, you know, the national runner up the week before then. They have Oregon and USC on deck. Like this is the, a sandwich of all sandwich. I know it's a rivalry game and it's on campus, which rarely happens anymore in this rivalry. I think they played 10 straight in Denver. The last one in Boulder was in 2009 and actually Colorado State pulled off an upset. But Colorado State, two weeks to prepare for this game after getting embarrassed. They've stewed on that loss. And by the way, for what it's worth, Washington State has looked better than I think everyone thought. So maybe that loss wasn't as bad. But this is definitely a major sandwich spot. We sure have a lot of sandwiches, 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 sandwiches. Colorado State's also going with a new quarterback in uh, Nicolosi that he actually was the one who had the game is kind of out of hand, who had the most success moving the ball. But he's got two weeks to prepare for this Colorado defense that I think is gettable. We'll we'll see if he can just take snaps. That'll be a a step in the right direction compared to last week. And I, I think this Colorado State team could have some success with their defensive line. So I, you know, I haven't bet the Colorado, any Colorado game. I haven't touched anything with Colorado this entire year. I think I have enough data and have seen enough as far as their strengths and weaknesses to say that in this particular spot, 23, 23 and a half, 24 is too big. Um, so I'm going to be on Colorado State here. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a Colorado State game of the year. Thanks to all the fans out there that pointed out how bad the number is. But uh, I believe in Colorado State. I have all season. I would take the very last. You and Brett have plus 10. That's some yeah. That's some uh, good good CLV there. That's some good CLV. But you know what? Other people have been bitching the first couple of weeks about their CLV not winning a thing. So we'll see if my reverse CLV can do anything. But if I didn't have a game of the year bet, I absolutely would bet Colorado State because this is a great spot. Right after these high emotional games where Fox has done their pregame live from your field, you got Oregon USC coming up here after this. Do you really care about this game? Maybe you do now that Jay Norvell, which I love Jay Norvell, but now that Jay Norvell is kind of, you know, poking the bear here, we'll see where the narrative goes here, but it's going to definitely help the spread. I would take the very last number. And Jay Norvell did deliver on one aspect. He said, you know, in Mountain West Conference media days, he said that the breakout player was going to be Justice Ross Simmons. We saw that against Wazoo, 3.6 yards per route run, 123 yards on five catches. He is as explosive as Torrey Horton on the other side. So my question there is, does, do we see some Travis Hunter fatigue? Because the other side of the defense and coverage from a corner perspective and a safety perspective has not been good whatsoever. So, you know, Travis Hunter can only do so much on the offensive side of the ball. This would be game three. Is it a third game in a row with, what, 120-plus snaps, maybe 150? Is there some fatigue at some point? Because these wide receivers can absolutely fly. I'm not putting a lot of stock in that Wazoo box score. Wazoo proved to me last week that they are a legit top 25, top 30 team. And and we know what Colorado is. Their third down explosives, their defensive havoc, that is going to run out at some point. So yeah, I would absolutely buy a huge number here. The game was, you know, one possession spread last week. This is a much different story trying to cover, you know, 24 points. Uh, I think Colorado State can have enough success on offense here to stay within this number uh, in a rivalry game off of a bye. All right, so (laughs) let's move on to... Your neck of the woods. Let's talk a little Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Woo pig suey. Arkansas is hosting BYU. Arkansas is down to an eight and a half point favorite. Over under has crashed to 47 and a half. Arkansas does have LSU on deck. I don't really have a a big feel on this game, major feel either way on this game. I do know that the, the clock rules should come into play. Absolutely. Both teams want to run it and they go slow. I, my main, my main point I want to make here is shout out to Sam Pittman who was talking about how great he thinks Sam Houston state is. And there is no Sam Houston state this week. They have a buy. So I wanted to get my Sam Houston state love in this episode. Eat them up cats. Shout out coach. Welcome to the bandwagon. I think, I think Sam Houston's really good. I think they're really good on. D- God, I think you like the under here. Yeah. This clock should be moving throughout and it'll be, I think hard for both offenses to create a lot of explosive plays and sustain drives. Yeah, it's not hard to figure out when Brett tweets out about how many number of coaches hate the new clock rules. It's not hard to figure out where Pittman falls because he hates the new clock rules and he talks about it often. And and that comes into the fact that 
they were struggling. Arkansas was struggling against Kent State last week, and they had a limited number of possessions in the first half and the second half against a team like Kent. Both those teams are just blowing, blowing through clock like there's no tomorrow. The game ended in two hours and 40 minutes, and Pittman has talked about the frustrations on offense, like trying to get into a groove, trying to get you know some more playing time for some players. But this game right here is an undershot all the way. Arkansas, under new defensive coordinator Travis Williams, has been aggressive. They are top 10 in finishing drives in havoc. They have not given up any explosives. Uh, the Cincinnati linebacker transfer, Jaheim Thomas, has just been everywhere. He leads the team in tackles and stops. And the BYU defense is really what Sam Pittman focused on in his presser. Uh, he talked about Jay Hill, the D.C., coming in from Weber State. BYU all of a sudden is a top 10 tackling team. They haven't been that in years. They're 11th in defensive finishing drives. They haven't been that in years. So I know the cupcake schedule, the low strength of schedule, but hey, this is a great positive turnaround for BYU on defense. I think the one thing that led me to believe that this is absolutely an undergame and that you probably should look at taking BYU is that Pittman had some issues with BYU's defense being an odd front. Three guys up front, three guys in the back, whether that's a 3-4 or a 3-3-5, what, whatever it, you know, he's talking about with an odd front. He said that Arkansas has not practiced against that. They haven't seen it. They haven't practiced against it. And it gives the offense a lot of pause. And that's not good because you don't have Rocket Sanders a second consecutive week. And your running backs have been poor. Dominion not been able to run the ball whatsoever. A.J. Green not been able to run the ball whatsoever. They are running straight into blocks. They don't know where the offensive linemen are, are blocking out. And then you look at the wide receivers, Andrew Armstrong, Jaden Wilson, they've dropped so many passes against Kent State. This Arkansas offense is not smooth. And this is an under all the way. Wouldn't blame anyone for taking BYU. All right, let's move on to the ACC. There's a big game next weekend. We lost a little of its luster when Clemson lost to Duke, but still be a massive game, especially with Florida State beating LSU and continuing to look dominant, assuming that they get by Boston College, that'll be uh, a really important game, not only for the ACC standings, but for college football playoff implications. So Florida State and Clemson play each other next week. Do either get caught looking ahead, prepping for that game, not showing much, resting, because they do have uh, with amounts to basically a warm-up scrimmage type game. Both around, you know, they're both over three touchdown favorites. Florida State is a 26-ish point favorite at Boston College. That number has come down along with the total. I'll get to that in a second. And total's down from 54.5 to 48. And Clemson, which plays at night against Florida Atlantic's 24.5 point favorite over under 51.5. The big news with Florida State, Boston College. Thomas Castellanos is going to get the start again for Emmett Moorhead for Boston College. I think he was projected to be the number one running back, Pat Garo. He's probably out. Castellanos is actually their leading rusher. BC's been a mess. Barely beat Holy Cross, lost to Northern Illinois at home. This number has come down, not because of BC love, but because of the hurricane, which will impact um, a number of FCS games in the at the FBS level. Primarily, it's going to be UConn FIU, we've seen that number come down. UConn's quarterback, Fagnano, your boy, he's out for the year. So Tyquan Robinson, the former Penn State transfer, will take over there. And uh, FIU can't really throw the ball, so maybe the rain doesn't – the weather doesn't really impact them uh, as much. Well, neither team can really uh, throw the ball. It's be interesting to see how that plays out. But Florida State, Boston College, look, should be raining. High 67 – the wind is the biggest thing. The rain doesn't really matter. The winds, as of now, northwest 28 to 30 miles per hour. Gusts as high as 40 to 45. That's major. If you go back historically, these extreme wind games, even against the closing number, which, in, which will impact um, you know, field goals, obviously trying to throw the ball, these extreme wind games have done very well against the under. Obviously, before the move, but even after the market adjusts and the market does get in front of these early to midweek, and we've seen both of these totals crash. So BC in a good spot, catching close to four touchdowns in a hurricane. It has to be somewhat 
in worth a look. Any thoughts on them or FAU? I mean, I would love to get into this number, but the problem is when Pat Garwal is not going to play, that leaves Kai Robichaux out just to run the ball. I don't expect Thomas Castellanos to be able to throw the ball in 20-mile-an-hour winds, 40-mile-an-hour 40, 40 gusts. And if you look at Alumni Stadium, that's what I love about our Action Labs. You can go in and see the wind orientation, if it's going to be like straight on from end zone to end zone or sideline to sideline. And this one is cross stadium wins. So from sideline to sideline, that's going to be a huge problem. I don't think either team is going to have a lot of success throwing the ball, not even attempt to throw the ball. So when you look at that, will Boston College be able to run against the Florida State front seven? No, not even if the weather was fine, they'd be able to run against the Florida State front seven. To me, this game screams 28 to zero. I would be more comfortable. I think the best bet in this game is Boston College under 10 and a half on a team total. Uh, And then when you get to Florida Atlantic Clemson, I just... This is an under here. The two items that came out of Dabo's presser, Casey Thompson is a quarterback that can hurt, that can attack the defense, and their turnovers have to improve. Clemson is minus two net turnovers, but they've had three fumbles, two INTs. You know, Cade Klubnick, he talks specifically about Cade Klubnick. He needs to go from having catastrophic plays to bad plays. We are still working with Cade to stop from having catastrophic plays. So for me, this is an under here all the way. I'm not sure Clemson can put up their share of points. Yeah, I would I would still look at the under in Florida State BC even after the move. Florida State with Clemson on deck in this weather, right? They're not going to be chucking it all over the field. Like they're going to b- build a big lead and then probably just want to get out of dodge, right? Second half under if it's out of hand. Moving on to the Big 12, the big story of last week which we covered a couple of times on the new BCS and our recap episode Texas very dominant victory at Alabama. If Baylor on deck We'll see what the Baylor quarterback situation looks like by that time. Blake Chapin could be back. First, the classic sandwich spot, though. Sandwiches. Texas has Wyoming. They're hosting Wyoming, who beat Texas Tech at home. Texas is a 29.5-point favorite here, over under 48.5. I mean, Texas just was so impressive last week. I don't know if Wyoming has the horses to keep up. It's definitely a good spot, but... I'm staying away. Any love for the Pokes? Uh, There's some love for the over that I have here. I mean, Wyoming continues to have really good offensive output, 31 against Portland State, although we know Portland State got blown up for 80 against Oregon. Uh, But, you know, Peasley is still throwing the ball. There's a massive upgrade all around offensively compared to last year when it comes to pass. He got banged up, by the way, but is is expected to play. Yeah, he he should be playing in this. But it's tough to say if there's a letdown or an overlook here for Texas because I went back in history to look at the Longhorns like, what happens? What do you do after a big game? Last year, they lost to Bama by one, just a heartbreaker. You would expect them to not show up the next week. They throttled UTSA, one by 21 points with Hudson Card, with their backup quarterback. Uh, and that was before a trip to Texas Tech. So it was the same kind of sandwich spot last year, and they had no problems throttling UTSA. Roster still has a lot of depth, particularly at quarterback and running back. Even if CJ Baxter isn't able to make it and play, Jonathan Brooks will be there. If Wyoming is still going to have an offensive trajectory that's way above last year. And Texas does not fall asleep, look ahead. They still play sound. Everybody in the depth chart wants to play. I'll go over 48 here. Moving on to the team we just mentioned and the SEC in Alabama. Alabama off of that loss to Texas. You assume they would come out a little angry and focused, but they do have Ole Miss and the start of SEC play on deck. And I'm going to tell you what, if I had a barometer up your ass to say whether you were giving effort or not, it was about 50%. Why did you push yourself? Alabama will travel to South Florida, their first road non-conference game against a group of five teams since 2003 against Hawaii. Uh, South Florida, I think there were some shirts out there, like just cover the spread. Alabama is a 32-point favorite. Do you get a focused Alabama effort? One angle here for me is like you could say all right Alabama their season's not over yet they have Ole Miss and then it's like it's all right let's we we can win out let's focus on those games but I think that they really want to get a look at what Milrow has from a passing perspective right last week it was bad and then if Milrow is not going to be the guy if he's going to make some of those throws that he did last week they have some backups who are in the quarterback competition so even if they're up, I think they want to get some looks at them throwing the ball, right? And then kind of evaluate where they stand from a passing perspective headed into conference play. So this might not be your typical, oh, Alabama is angry, comes out, builds a big lead, and then sits on it, doesn't show anything, because they, they want to get their backups in and get a look at them 
passing in live game action. What do you see here? Oh, I love Alabama in this spot. I know that we talked about this. You know, it's a sandwich spot. And so what I did was, first off, I power rate this thing over 35. So I was happy to dive in, whether it was 31, 32, whatever. I, and I can see that right now, as you and I are recording this, some sharp shops are up to 33 and a half. So I think we're going to clip 35, but I would still still bet it. When I go back into history, essentially I went back to the beginning of 2021, not including Cincinnati in the playoff. That's a different story. But seven games against non-Power 5 teams since the beginning of 2021, and Nick Saban absolutely drummed all seven of them. Middle Tennessee, Austin P, ULM, Utah State, New Mexico State, Southern Miss, and Mercer. Combined score... 375 to 45. That is an average of 54 for Alabama and six and a half for their opponents. They have, Saban has wailed on these spots. Now, I don't know if it's to appease the boosters. Nobody wants to win more than the players that play so that you can be entertained. And nobody feels worse than they do when they lose. I don't know if it's to get people off his case for what's happening in Power Five games or against the SEC, but he is hammering them. So I was ready to bet Alabama anyways. They're away from home. You talk to players, maybe it's a good thing. It all- it's going to be, it might be like a home, it might also be like a home game. I mean, like it's in t- uh, Tampa. I mean, there'd probably be more Bama fans than South Florida. Yeah, we- Alabama all the way here. Uh, the other side of the Alabama Ole Miss coin is, of course, Ole Miss. The Rebels will host Georgia Tech. 18 and a half point favorite. This number come down a bit, sitting in a dead range. I think we did, we disagree on this game. Yeah. I love Georgia Tech. Here in this spot, I'll explain why. Then you can counter. I look. This is Ole Miss from a situational perspective. They have Alabama on deck. They just escaped with a, a bogus cover uh, on the road against a ranked Tulane team. Meanwhile, Georgia Tech had a cupcake last week. They should come up, come into this game ready and rested. I'm a huge fan of this Georgia Tech offensive coordinator, Buster Faulkner. I think his his he's going to be a name that you're going to be hearing of in the next couple of years. And Ole Miss, I just don't think that Lane wants to show much here with these huge games coming up on deck. There might be a little lack of focus, a little preparation for Alabama during this week. And if you look historically, Kiffin is just 7-12-1 against the spread as a favorite of more than 17 points. That's 36.8%. 3-9-1 against the spread of non-conference in that situation. 0-3 at Ole Miss. The Ole Miss defense, too, I don't trust them to lay this kind of number. We even saw Tulane should have arguably won that game with their backup quarterback. Michael Pratt didn't even play. Easy backdoor shot here. I think Georgia Tech's offense is still a little bit undervalued. Their secondary can hang with this Ole Miss passing attack. Um, so, yeah, I like Georgia Tech with the points, but you you like Ole Miss, right? I do. Uh, I bought them on open at 19. It, it sunk a little bit. I think that is um... – a combination of a lot of things. First off, Ole Miss shouldn't have covered every number against Tulane because I make it 24. But then at the same time, there's some injuries, right? Trey Harris hasn't practiced. He's caught almost all of Jackson Dart's touchdown passes this year. Jalen Knox is going to be a game-time decision. Zakari Franklin is doubtful, hasn't hasn't played the big UTSA transfer that's come in. So there's some injuries for Ole Miss that I can understand why this is down. But the more I got into Georgia Tech's defense, not so much the coverage in the secondary, it was defending the rush that really made this decision for me to take Ole Miss. Because when you look at it, the struggles are 117th in tackling, 125th in havoc. But then when you get to this nice stat, broken tackles, Georgia Tech is 99th in broken tackles. That is a really bad characteristic to have when you have Quinshawn Judkins. This is not the offensive rushing attack that you want to go up against. So, I mean, I do like Georgia Tech's brand new offense going 25 seconds per play. I think the over is worth a look here. But I've got money down on Ole Miss. All right, head-to-head there. Another big game next weekend, Notre Dame-Ohio State. Learn a lot about both teams who haven't really had tough schedules. They will host uh, teams that they should handle this week. Ohio State will host Western Kentucky. Notre Dame will host Central Michigan. They're both four to five touchdown favorites in those games. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. The, uh, I'm not fading Notre Dame here. Central Michigan, their offense with Emmanuel, it's just, it's so gimmicky. It's hard when you're going up against a defense <laughs> that's just much more talented and you're not in the Mac to really get anything done. I will say that Notre Dame, look, with Ohio State on deck, Hartman, if he just goes nuts in the first half, I know they want to get a look at some of their depth quarterback pieces move for next season and beyond. 
So maybe you look at Central Michigan's second half, um, mm. but not getting involved there. Western Kentucky and their air raid will travel to Columbus to take on Ohio State. Ryan Day just named Kyle McCord. I think that's a mistake, the starting quarterback. They've looked underwhelming, but it's hard to really gauge based on the level of competition. Can you make a case for either dog? No, no. And I mean, Central Michigan is not running the ball that well. And, you know, is Bert Emanuel Jr. going to be able to throw or run against Notre Dame? I think the answer is no. no. Uh, they shut down the NC State rushing attack. They stuffed 10 of 29. They allowed zero runs to exceed 20 yards. And, you know, when you look on the other side of the ball, the Gerard Parker, Sam Hartman marriage of offensive coordinator to quarterback has just been elite so far this year. So, no, I don't think Central Michigan has a shot. Definitely, like you said, I think it's a first-half bet on Notre Dame. I think it's a second-half bet on Central Michigan. And then when you look at Western Kentucky and Ohio State, which I believe is catching a little steam here as, as we're talking, um, I kind of like the under here. I don't know what's going on with Ohio State's offense. They're Emeka Egbuka. Um, you know, nobody is being explosive at wide receiver besides Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, you know, the Ohio State offense is good for 31 to 42 points against Western Kentucky defense. It's just absolutely awful against the run. Uh, they're dead last in line yards, stuff rate, rush explosives. I mean, it's just the trifecta of how bad you can be against the rush is what Western Kentucky is going up against Mayan Williams, uh, going up against some of the running backs that Ohio State has. So I don't know if we're going to see a lot out of Kyle McCord here. I have, I'm not impressed whatsoever. I mean, he's only seen two pressures. He's only had one big-time throw, but I don't think Western Kentucky could be, even give Ohio State any kind of threat whatsoever. Yeah, I'm, I can't wait to break that game down two teams that you know one has looked great one hasn't looked great but the competition hasn't been great so i can't wait to get into that next week finally the 10th look at or look away spot miami ohio at cincinnati i love miami ohio here plus 14 and a half this is for what it's worth the oldest non-conference rivalry in college football first played in 1888 cincinnati's won 16 in a row to take a one game lead in a head-to-head series and it's also the longest continuously played rivalry in all of college football, dating back to 1888. So when I break this game down, if you rewind to two weeks ago, and uh, for what this is the for people into like the trophies, this is the the battle for the victory belt. If you fast forward to two weeks ago, Miami Ohio was catching the same number range between 14 and 17 against Miami. Right now, Miami took care of business. And then we saw how good Miami was against Texas A&M, backing that up. But Miami of Ohio also exceeded expectations against UMass. But now Miami of Ohio is catching a similar number at Cincy. Like, I don't get I know they're playing the third straight road game. But if you go back in history, teams playing their third straight road game over the past 20 years, 53.2% against the spread, covering by an average of one and a half points per game. So it hasn't either the market overvalues it or it's not really a big deal with college kids, especially early in the season. So what I, I just think this – this number is too high, and I think it's mainly because of what Cincy did last week. Now, a lot of people upgraded Cincy a lot. I disagree with that. I, I, Cincy has looked better. I'll, I'll give them that than I thought. They would under Satterfield, and Emory Jones is a perfect fit for his system. But I think last week had more to do with Pitt than it did Cincy. And as you look in the market right now, I think the market is also saying, all right, there's issues with Pitt because West Virginia is taking – a lot yep. of money. So I, I attributed that more to who Pitt is going to be than who Cincy is this year. And this is a terrible spot for Cincy coming off that upset win on the road. They have Oklahoma hosting Oklahoma on deck, their big 12 opener home debut. And with this Miami of Ohio team, look, they, they have a big enough offensive line, like the rare, which is a rarity in the Mac to compete with some of these you know teams like Cincy. The thing that I was worried about with Miami Ohio coming into the season is their offense. They need an alpha receiver, and they lost that in Mac Hippenhammer. But, I mean, Gage Larverdane has emerged as that guy. He had eight catches against Miami. Last week he had eight catches, 273 yards, and three touchdowns against UMass. Eight, 273, and three. The c transfer seems to be that guy. So, you know, you have an experienced quarterback here in Brett Gabbert, fifth-year starter on the road in a hostile environment. I'll trust them to stay within two touchdowns, you know, in a sleepy potential spot where the Cincy maybe is a little flat, looking ahead to Oklahoma off a big win. You also have a coach in Chuck Martin who in these spots is very conservative 
whips. Like if they were in a round robin dog, I would hate, but he'll like punt on fourth and one. And this totals 45. I'll happily take 14 and a half in the spot. Give me the Red Hawks. I think I make this game 13 and a half, and I actually would buy Cincinnati at 13 and a half. So I had some serious issues with Miami of Ohio. First off, the team is 130th in offensive momentum killer. Offensive momentum killer is a stat that looks at interceptions, fumbles, sacks, fourth downs, turnovers, 10 plus yard penalties, all the things that stop your offense. Miami of Ohio is almost dead last offensively. I think the I think you're good at 14 and a half, but at 13 and a half, I'm buying Cincinnati. Yeah, need 14 and a half here goes any lower i am off of it all right before we move on here as a reminder the bboc podcast is presented by bet mgm use bonus code action when signing up to get up to fifteen hundred dollars paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses for new users in arizona colorado illinois indiana iowa louisiana maryland massachusetts michigan new jersey ohio pennsylvania tennessee virginia west virginia and wyoming Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get to the marquee matchups of the week. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week three. There's not many, so this will be a very quick segment. Uh, We'll start with Kansas State at Missouri should be a pretty fun game. Kansas State, both these teams are 2-0 and for what it's worth. Over-under is down a tick to 48, 47 and a half. Kansas State initially took money. Now Missouri is starting to take money. One thing that, you know, I would watch Kansas State's look really impressive. While, even though they, both these teams are 2-0, they got here different ways. Kansas State's look really impressive. They destroyed Troy. Missouri, on the other hand, it's been a little eh. I mean, they barely beat Middle Tennessee last week. There's a, a couple injuries worth watching Kansas state's been playing their first two games without their starting right tackle. And they returned their, um, they returned their entire starting five this year, but Christian Duffy has not been playing and he's good. And they've had to, as a result of that shuffle, some guys around BB's moved to different sides and it's just not at full strength right now. And Missouri has one of the best linebacking cores in the SEC has been shorthanded there with Chad Bailey, who hasn't played yet. He had a, he did have a DWI. He was suspended for the first game, but he also had a procedure that was going to keep him out 21 days. It was set. This game is like 21 days. So I don't know. I haven't heard anything, but when he's in there, the linebacker room is really good. They also have good corners. I really like what I've seen from the Missouri defense. Some bad luck on third downs withstanding, but I, I look at this game and the Missouri, look, I, I'm fine with the Missouri defense. They're going to be good, especially once they get Bailey back. The Missouri offense, the offensive line's been disappointing. And Brady Cook has been okay. If, but let I me mean, look at who he's played. There's just no explosiveness in this offense. Part of that is Dinkin Duncan. You know, I call him Dinkwitz. It's Dinkin Dunk Drinkwitz. He brought in a new offensive coordinator and Kirby Moore from Fresno State. But he did the same things, like not a lot of downfield attack. So it's going to be like Missouri like plays in like a box and they, they don't have – I don't really love their running back room. And then on the other side, Kansas State, not as explosive in the rushing attack at losing Deuce Vaughn. But Will Howard's been impressive. And Colin Klein, now that he's been more comfortable play calling, they're, they're a lot more aggressive than they've been in the past. You saw it last week. Troy makes it 14-10, 50 seconds to go. They go down the field and score a touchdown. Old Kansas State runs that three times and punts it. So they're evolving from an offensive standpoint. We'll see about those two key injuries. This screams an under game to me, and the under is taking money. I still like it at 47 and a half, 48. Um, I think this ends up being like a 20 to 17 type of close game. I I would imagine Missouri maybe closes at three. Haven't liked what I've seen from their offense. There's just no explosiveness. Don't like what I've seen from the backs, but I think their defense will show up here. And uh, I think this turns into a pretty low scoring game. So I, especially if Kansas State, if they're right tackle, Duffy can't play, and I don't think Bailey's going to come back to this game. But if Bailey comes back, then I really like this under. Uh, but regardless, I, I like this under in Kansas State, Missouri. Do you have any? I want Missouri uh, at five and a half. I flinched because I wanted a six, uh, and I didn't get it. And it's done nothing but come on down. And I think the question that you have to ask is: This the real Missouri offense? Because Drink handed the keys over to Kirby Moore and said, "You are completely in charge of calling the play." So I thought we would see what Fresno State did. Now, Fresno State had 
an even distribution of rush and pass, 50%. But that's not what's going on here. Missouri's at 65% running the ball right now. Like they are a heavy rush team. They've had some success doing it, but this is not really the offense that we were looking for. Is Kirby Moore been holding back through the first two games, saving it for this, keeping stuff off tape? Because when they need shots down the field or they're in a down and distance that says they needed to take a shot downfield, they haven't done it. Cook already has 12 pressures. I know we were worried about the offensive line protecting him. Yeah, the offensive line does not look good. They haven't. And, and yeah, in Kansas State, they've been vulnerable to passing through the first two games against Troy and Simo. You know, I'm going to bet this live. And the reason I'm betting it live is because I want to see if Missouri is going to come out with a completely different offensive game plan. These are two new corners for Kansas State. Uh, they've got to defend, you know, Luther Burden. I don't know if one of them is going to come in and do the slaughter, if they're going to move Luther Burden outside. I want to see one series from Missouri. And if I can get a six live, that's what I'm going to bet. Yeah, I like the other here. I think this – maybe Missouri opens up, but I'm not a big Brady Cook guy, and uh, I trust this Missouri defense. See, by the way, how electric the crowd is for this game. A little bit of a rivalry game, Missouri-Kansas State. Noon kick on SEC Network. Coach Drink, talking about early kickoffs, wants students to get a little drunker and rowdier. It's a challenge for our fan base. You know, it's hard to get loosened up that early, you know, in the morning. Uh, you don't probably want to crack your first beer till after 1030. I get that. But everybody's got to make sacrifices. It takes what it takes. Plenty so we'll of places see, to do that uh, in Columbia. <laughs> yeah. We'll see uh, what the crowd looks like and see if they get a good crowd and then a little home bump. All right, uh, let's move on to probably, I would say, the the biggest marquee game of the day. Tennessee at Florida, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Florida's taking a little bit of money from 7.5-ish, 7 down to 6.5. I think this touched 5.5 at one point. You got some Tennessee buyback. Over-under has also come down to 58.5. Tennessee has not won at Florida since 2003. Lost 10 straight. This is the most they've been favored by in the history of the series. Look, I, we've done this before in, on, in the podcast, and it hasn't ended well, telling people to bet Graham Mertz. I like Florida here. I like your boy, Billy Napier. Scare money, don't make money. I'm taking that to heart here and backing Graham Mertz as a dog. Well, I'm technically backing Graham Mertz. I'm really fading this Tennessee offense, which I don't know if a lot of people – outside of Knoxville and those that pay really close attention are aware of how poor this offense has looked because of who they played. Like, yeah, they put up 38 against Virginia, but that's basically what JMU did. And the numbers weren't pretty. And the offense struggled against Austin P Austin P the governors. Uh, there's, I mean, look, there's been bad drops. And this is an offense that lost a tackle to the NFL wide two wide receivers, the NFL, and then Hendon hooker. Joe Milton has a rocket arm. Everyone knows it. It's impressive. He's going to hit some crazy downfield passes and show it off sometime. But he's just not consistent from an accuracy standpoint. And this offense needs rhythm. It needs timing. And it looks all pretty when you're hitting those downfield shots. Everyone remembers Jalen Hyatt having a million touchdowns against Alabama. But what makes that offense operate so well is you also hit all of the underneath routes and the running backs. And Hooker did that uh, with amazing accuracy. Milton is not, and they're just not able to sustain drives. There's too many three and outs. So I think he's going to make a critical mistake or two against this Florida team. I don't think they're going to be able to sustain drives. And then on the other side of the ball, and look, there's something else to watch here is their offensive line. Cooper Mays, we'll see if he plays first team all SEC center, hasn't played yet. He's further, I think he's going to try to give it a go. We'll see if he's healthy. On the other side of the ball, for Florida, they're really good center is going to return this week from injury. He's already on the depth chart, slated to return in Kingsley Aguacan. And I think what's going to happen is Florida is going to be able to control the clock, control the pace of this game with their rushing attack. That's what they want to do here. They want to lean on their two backs in Montreal Johnson and uh, Trevor Etienne. And then they want Mertz to just make the easy throws, right? They don't want him in passing downs, needing to throw it downfield. They want to rely on Johnson. They want to rely on ETN. And I think they can get a push against this Tennessee defense, control the clock, crowd will still be in it, control the tempo of this game, which is which is a huge key because one of these teams wants to come out firing and go fast. The other, in the Napier offense, run first. They want to keep Tennessee on the sidelines. So I'm fading Milton here. Uh, I'm backing Florida at home in the swamp. I actually think they win this game outright. 
100% agree Florida could win this game outright. I've, I've bet it on the side. I guarantee it's going to be in some round robins. If Tennessee's offense last year was a Lamborghini, this is a shit heap jalopy of an offense. Joe Milton didn't log a single big-time throw against Austin P. There were four, four drops on the day. It was ugly. I mean, if you look at their catchable ball rate, it shows that Milton is not throwing catchable balls like the wide receivers are having to do all the work. Now, that's accuracy. Let's talk about depth. Milton's numbers on balls over 10 yards has dropped from adjusted completion percentage rate from 59% in his career, passes over 10 yards. That's down to 46%. I mean, he can't hit anybody in stride, on target, which is what you have to do. And he's played Virginia, Virginia and Austin, Austin P. P. And I don't even, I can't even get into how, like, that is not good. Your strength of schedule is like 115th. Uh, but the, you know what, you know who has improved? The Florida defense under Austin Armstrong, who I can't even believe is 20, 29 Love. years old. Whew. Florida right now, top 10 against the run in terms of success rate, line yards. They haven't allowed any explosives. They're top 20 in tackling. This is exactly what we expected from the Southern Miss move. Fundamentally sound. Tackling, success rate, line yards, no explosives. The Florida defense kind of tails off in havoc. They haven't really produced it yet. There isn't a pass rush, but I think that's kind of by design. Only rush three or four, let everybody else sit back. Neither Utah or McNeese State generated any explosives. I mean, Utah logged one pass and one run over 20 yards. I'm impressed by that. And they haven't played, they haven't played with their starting center either. Exactly. Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne. Not only do they average six yards per rush, they've each generated five targets out of the backfield. So I'm finally starting to see the coach that will not be named, what he ran at Louisiana. I'm finally starting to see that in this offense after you know him being there for a while. So I think Florida not only just covers here, I think we're going to be chomping all day. Scared money don't make money, you know? Yeah, from what I heard, they really wanted, from a couple of people, they really wanted Sam Hartman and they made a move, but... What do you think? How big was that bag that Notre Dame put out there for Hartman? It had to be. Tommy Reese was there when Sam Hartman took that bag. It had to be a huge bag. Yeah. Yeah. For what it's worth, your boy, Billy Napier, <laughs> 17 and five against the spread, 77.3% as an underdog, covering by an average margin of eight points per game. You could say, oh, yeah, well, he was in the Sun Belt, Sun Belt Billy. Five and oh against the spread last year as an underdog with four of the five coming against ranked teams. And part of that is we know we need Napier to get in the back door in this game. They're down 10 late. He's probably going to get us there. Uh, all right, so we agree. We're both both like Florida in this matchup, both back in Graham Mertz. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, before we move on here, I should mention there, another Power 5 matchup, Washington-Michigan State. Washington 16.5-point favorite here. Over under 55 and a half. Big news with Michigan State is the coaching change. Both of these teams are 2-0. and oh. this, game's at, this game's not even on TV. This is on Peacock. 5 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. <laughs> no, not for everyone. I'm, saying, I'm saying how can that this game, with a lack of marquee matchups, Washington-Michigan State's not even on like a major network. How bad some of these matchups are? Do you know the game at noon Eastern on FS1? FS1 usually gets a decent game. FS1 noon Eastern game? Boise, North Dakota, like <laughs> not even North Dakota State. It's bad. Yeah, Boise, North Dakota. Boise looking for their first win of the season That's in that matchup. But anything Washington, Michigan State <laughs> coaching changes. D'Antonio back. It's hard to really gauge where how Michigan State's going to respond to all this. Maybe they rally. Maybe it's a huge distraction. I know it's going to be hard for them to stop their Washington offense. Regardless, I'm probably staying away here now that this. This number's at 16 and a half. I, I think to me it's Washington or nothing, but too hard for me to gauge. Do you have any I think at 17 and a half, you start to look Michigan State. I think that's a little oversold in the market. I mean, Mark, Mark D'Antonio is back. He's assisting in all aspects of the program. Uh, Harlan Barnett, I guess, is the interim coach here. But, you know, D'Antonio hired Barnett in 2007. They were together. He was on staff till 2014. Harlan Barnett's been there the last three years. It's a really, I, I think what Michigan State the leaders have decided to do I think that's all positive stuff for Michigan State. Saying that 17 and a half is where you're going to start looking at Michigan State. I would not get wrapped up in this number whatsoever if you had anything below 17 with Washington. Yeah, here's to see what Michigan State looks like. It's really hard to gauge anything. All right, before we move on here, I do want to remind everyone to make sure you check out Mike and Mike, Mike Calabrese and Mike INL on the Group of Five Deep Dive every Wednesday morning here on BBOC. 
talking all things group of five. They cashed their anti-Trent Dilfer ticket last week in the UAB game, which led to an incredible clip in the Dilfer press conference talking about marrying a smoke show. I married a smoke show and I have awesome kids and she wasn't as hot and my kids were annoying and my food sucked and that's kind of where I'm at. But my wife knows, my kids know, like this is not what we signed up for. That, that is not a representation of anything I believe in, uh, anything that's been preached around here, and, and it's my job to get it fixed. They always do a great job covering all of the Group of Five action, so make sure you check that out, especially critical this week. You and I, you know, you uh, and I, I both outkicked our coverage with our marriages, you know? Like, we legitimately married above oh, yeah. our heads, and we would never go around saying, I married a smoke show. I told my, oh, I told yeah, my wife. Oh, yeah, I would tell my wife that, but are you, tell, are you but telling a guy in a press conference that? I mean, come it. on. I mean, you do that in, like, high school. All right, on a week like this, I think it's time to bring back at least one game. FC yes or no? Southland or SEC? Big Sky or Big Ten? It's time to play FC Yes or No. We have, I think, four ranked FCS teams are traveling to Pac-12 teams. So it'll be interesting to see if the Pac-12 avoid a potential upset at home. We've certainly seen them in the past. Um, I think the most intriguing game. So let me pull up. See, the schedule I, we have here. lions on. We have FCS. We have FCS power ratings at Action Network now, so we can we can project. I know yep. as, as Stuck and I are recording this, there's nothing on the board, but we can at least say where we would buy and where we'd sell. Yeah, they're coming out later and later uh, in the market. I think it's a pretty inefficient market. So they're coming out later and later. Weber State is at Utah. You have um, NC Central, who's also ranked. They're going to UCLA. Sacramento State. Intriguing game there because that's Troy Taylor's old team. They're 2-0. They're going to Stanford. But the most intriguing game, I think, is 2-0 Idaho, who I think is up to number five in the FC ranks. They destroyed Nevada last week. And the they're playing a Cal team that, you know, looked good against North Texas. Then well, it was an ugly game last week against Auburn. But Cal better be ready for – quarterback Giovanni McCoy from Idaho who can sling it and he I think he was the FCS freshman All-American last year if I had to bet money on this if there was a market I would say he's probably a quarterback on a FBS team next year and hits the transfer market after this year but Idaho can score they can sling it so Cal better be ready. Yeah, I mean, I can give you all the projections. I know Action Network, we projected the game at about 21 and a half. SP Plus is at 16. Sagarin is at 16 and a half. I suspect we'll probably see 14 and a half, 15, 16 open up in the market. I think it opens. I don't care what it opens. Idaho is getting Idaho is getting money from me the second it opens. I've got my line watcher on turned in in Action Labs. Uh, I'm ready to hit open. I'm ready to bet this all the way down to seven. You know, so I, I'm I'm ready to hit it on Idaho. The Vandals, baby, going in and potentially getting a second straight road FBS win. All right, uh, everyone's favorite segment. It's time to take out some trash. The Trash Man pick of the week. I'm the Trash Man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. Is that it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. The trash man has arrived. Where should we start? Let me pull up my trash can so I can start pulling out some trash pieces from here. All right, let's start with the Battle of I-25. New Mexico, New Mexico State, which this rivalry started before New Mexico was even a state. I like New Mexico here. Shocker, fading New Mexico State again. Did it against UMass. Did it against Liberty. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but... This team came in super overvalued because they beat a bunch of corpses, they beat the, the Corpse of Liberty and a bunch of FCS teams last year to get to a bowl, and then they beat Bowling Green, who's terrible. And they came in with this overinflated market rating. Uh, I had them as one of the three worst teams in the country. And Diego Pavia, their quarterback, Pavia, I guess I should say. If you look against FCS teams, he tore up another FCS team this year. Against FCS teams and the Courts of Liberty, 
last year. He has 12 touchdowns and no interceptions. In all other games, he has eight touchdowns, nine interceptions. The passing offense is just not good. The defense is going to take a step back after they lost some of the pieces on the back end. Look no further than the Liberty game. Like last year, they beat Liberty by 24 because Liberty didn't show up. They were 24-point underdogs. We got them as t- they were only catching 10, 9. It went down to 9. I got to lay got some more 9.5 with Liberty. I don't know why the market likes this team. And I don't think that they're better. I think they're actually worse than last year. New Mexico, meanwhile, it's hard to really gauge what we have from them. They got blown out by Texas A&M, as you, one would expect. And then they played an FCS school. But I actually think that they have a big upgrade at quarterback and a guy that we used to like in Dylan Hopkins. Came with his old offensive coordinator. Mexico is still one of the worst teams in the country, but they've had no quarterback play. I'm talking negative quarterback play in the past couple of years. Hopkins actually is a big upgrade there. It's kind of like UMass. They went from no quarterback. Like when Olsen comes in, it's the most horrendous <laughs> thing you'll ever see. So I power rate New Mexico uh, that, uh, higher than New Mexico State, who's coming across country after playing Liberty. New Mexico. I think gets this done. Happy to lay one, one and a half, two up to two and a half. Absolutely agree. I mean, I power rate this thing at two for New Mexico State, but that doesn't mean that the matchup doesn't favor the Lobos here. When you mention, you know, Brian Vincent being offensive coordinator, uh, you know, when you mention having his quarterback and and you have Dylan Hopkins in play, they're top twenty-five in passing success rate. Strength of schedule is twenty-seventh. I mean, they've faced some pretty good competition here, but New Mexico is also top twenty in big play rate. Can you pass against New Mexico State's defense? Absolutely. They're 131st in tackling. They're almost dead last in coverage grades by PFF. Let's go with it. New Mexico has an identity. We know what they want to do, and they're going to be able to expose New Mexico State. Yeah, and for what it's worth, Jerry Kill might That's not big. coach this game. He's um, yeah, and like now you're dealing with yeah, after coming across the country, he's dealing with a sickness. Hope he is well. Um, I know that he's like overcome cancer and some other illnesses before. So I hope he gets okay. But it's from a football and betting perspective, like he's out and then you have like their offensive coordinator who is Tim Beck. Uh, he's had to take over the reins of the day-to-day activity. So he's probably not giving as much attention to the offensive game plan. And so that's a lot to deal with in a week where you're coming across country and then uh, making the trip across I-25 to play New Mexico. So let's go Lobos. All right. Uh, he thought New Mexico, New Mexico State, which I think is on Mountain West Network, as I believe. We're going to lay it with Iowa. Uh, laying four touchdowns with Iowa against Western Michigan. Western Michigan is horrendous. I mean, they, they lost 48-3 to to Syracuse. Could have been 100-3. to Syracuse was up 45-3 to at the half and then just said, okay, we're cool. And they had no offense. They lost all their skill position players. They were gutted by the portal on defense, too. And their quarterback, they don't – their quarterback room is dreadful. They still don't know who the really their quarterback's going to be. You might see multiple quarterbacks regardless. It's disgusting. I, Iowa is a 28-and-a-half-point favorite here. You can actually find a 28 out there, and I would wait. You know, if you have to lay – I would lay up the 29-and-a-half. So if you can't find a 28-and-a-half at one of your books, um, I would wait to see if you get 28. in a dead range of 28-and-a-half, 29. But I, I just think that Iowa, first of all, like I, I don't know how Western Michigan's going to score. So it basically comes down to this. This I think this is going to play out similar to Nevada last last year. We laid twenty four. It took seven hours, multiple delays. Hopefully, it doesn't take that long this year. But I don't think that they're going to score. So can Iowa get the twenty eight plus? I think so. This Western Michigan defense is horrendous, and this is the chance for Brian Ferentz to drive up the score, get his average up for his contract incentives. Like this is your last real chance to put up a big number. Last time these teams played. 59 to 3 back in 2014, Iowa won. I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar number now that I said that it's going to end 17 3. But I, I wouldn't be, um, Western Michigan special teams are also off. I wouldn't be surprised by the score on special teams if they score on a pick six. These Western Michigan quarterbacks going up against the secondary is bad news. Laying it with Iowa, four touchdown favor, total under 43, hasn't happened in 15 years at the FBS level. This is like, I'm, I'll say 42 to 3, <laughs> Iowa. Team total 35 and a half on Iowa. They have not eclipsed 25 points yet. I think this is it. I mean, they definitely have the avenue to blow them out. Seems like a good spot. Western Michigan is some mess. All right, Buffalo Liberty. I played Liberty here. I wrote this up. If you want to check it out on actionnetwork.com and Action Network app, especially at three and a half, which I think you can still find out there. 
I like Buffalo at home. They're 0-2. It's a good buy-low, sell-high spot against Liberty. But look, I backed Liberty last week. But Liberty has beat Bowling Green and New Mexico State, two teams that I think are awful. I faded both of them preseason with their win total unders. So I think the market is rewarding them for those wins when they shouldn't. Like, I was, I, I, who cares? They covered – they got eight turnovers combined in those games. So they got a little lucky in that aspect. Buffalo, meanwhile, loses to Fordham. Uh, at home won't be the last time and wasn't the first they'd lost at home to an FCS school. I think it's a good time to buy Buffalo Liberty. Just they beat two teams that I think are horrendous. So I'm simply just buying low, selling high here with that hook that I think we're getting because of those. I'm going to sit on the sidelines with this one. I haven't completely turned on Liberty yet. So you're in the trash, you and the raccoons and the stray cats. What it's worth Buffalo is 22 and 13 against the spread. 63% as a home dog of more than a field goal since 2005 covering by four points per game. Only Texas Tech and Temple have turned bigger profits in that role over that span. One I, I probably will pass on, Nevada against Kansas. Nevada's catching 28 here. A terrible spot for Kansas going across the country to Reno. They have big 12 play on deck. They just beat Illinois. Nevada's a mess, though. I mean, Brendan Lewis is terrible. They they have no offense. I think Ken Wilson's a terrible coach. Their secondaries in shambles. is a huge coaching mismatch. You should get Nevada's best effort. You have two key defenders for Kansas that are suspended in the first half for targeting, including Kobe Bryant, their best corner, and one of their defensive ends. I just can't bet Nevada. There's always one or two teams that are just so bad and the market can't get to the bottom fast enough, and Nevada might be that. Um, so it's a good spot, but I'm passing. And then we have to talk, obviously, about Charlotte uh, at home against Georgia State, catching seven and a half over-unders come down a bit. I like the under here. Georgia State's secondary is horrendous. Charlotte, their roster overall has improved from a talent level. My guy Biff, he's he's getting it together, but it's a run-first offense. They can't really throw the ball. Jalen Jones isn't an efficient passer. Georgia State's been good against the run. Charlotte's going to run it a lot. Meanwhile, Georgia State's also rush-heavy offense. Charlotte's defense is ahead of its offense. They, these two teams face like similar type offenses in practice. This this is a game where the clock, the new clock rules are going to come into play. I like the under. I also like Charlotte. I think they're also a round robin. And this might be the first time I'm one club lit. They're definitely going to be in the round robin. Might be taking them as well. And I like the under. Charlotte is definitely, Charlotte? Yeah, Charlotte is definitely a surprise. I got a little bit scared with this one. I look at the weather. The weather's going to be fine there. 80 degrees. Not too hot for Biff. Uh, he should be fine there. Our goal is very simple. Win the AAC. Win it repeatedly. Get to the college football playoff. And that's what I'm expecting to do here. And my timetable is now. And, you know, Georgia State, if you look at their defense, they're way better at defending the run than they are the pass. So that's what gave me pause on this game. Plus Georgia State. Yeah, they shut down UConn's run attack. And then in their first game against an FCS team, Rhode Island, a drop out back passer through yeah. 400 yards against them. I, I want to back Charlotte. I mean, they, they showed up. They, they've showed up, you know, so far here. They are excellent on defense when it comes to passing downs in their two games so far. And maybe that speaks more to Maryland and and the Charlotte schedule. But I mean, right now, Charlotte, I don't think they've allowed an explosive play in passing downs and their top 25 in success rate in passing down. So if Georgia State gets behind the chains, that's where Charlotte plays their best defense. But at the same time, I, I can't trust Charlotte yet until they trim that havoc allowed. There's just too many mistakes going on on offense. Uh, I will be on Charlotte. We will be on Clublet in some form or fashion for the first time this year. By the way, make sure you turn in 10.30 a.m. Eastern BBOC Live. We will go over all of the biggest games of the day, give our best bets and we'll have a round Robin in there get a fade Ravel. And I probably will have Charlotte in that round Robin. So I forgot yeah. Colin, San Diego state at Oregon state, Oregon state 10 Oh and one against the spread at home since 2021, 2021. Uh, they've been dominant at home. They've looked great this year. San Diego Bad. state's defense is a mess. I mean, if you saw what they did against Idaho state last week, against UCLA, against Ohio before work went out. I do love the over. Like the over uh, there is a sharp book right before yeah, right before we started recording, Shocker. one of the sharper books went from 48 and a half down to 48. Aztec overs. So I will wait. 48 being so key, I would love a 47 and a half, but I make this game 51 on the total. I would never fade Oregon State and Greaser Stadium for any reason, no matter what the number is. So I'm looking at the total. And Oregon State might be slow, but every year, Jonathan Smith has them top 10 in offensive finishing drives. They are a machine down in the red zone. Question is, can San Diego State defend the rush? The answer is absolutely not. They have fallen off a cliff. 132nd in defensive rushing success rate. 
stuff rate, 125th in the line yards. They cannot defend the run. What has happened to the Aztecs' defense? We're going to say it's a machine. I think they're going to score every single trip past the 40, and I think all those scores are going to be touchdowns because they have been so far. All right. Let's, before we get out, let's go three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. All right. First down, just a little Friday night lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. We talked about UVA, Maryland. UVA is going to go with Musket, their quarterback. He's more of like the drop back passer. I think they're uh, Condelaria, yeah. I think his name is. I forget the exact name. He's the freshman, their future. He, he runs around a little bit more, more in the mold of Brennan Armstrong. Tony Musket came from Monmouth. He's more of a he's more of a polished passer, but he's just not as talented. UVA is sticking with them. Yep. I think it's a mistake. Uh, they have Utah State at Air Force. Air Force is a nine point favorite, and then Army at UTSA. That's a really interesting game. We'll see if Army has their offense figured out. I mean, they it looked good last week, but uh, quality of opponent, not the best in Delaware State. They won 57-0. They only put up 13 against UL Monroe in this new-look Army offense. But they're going to be taking on a UTSA team. We don't know if, if Frank Harris is going to be available. He was really banged up last week. I assume he'll try to play, but a lot of what makes him great is – his legs and his ability to create. They also lost a t- their tackle who started a bunch of games. He's had surgery, so he's going to be out a while. DeCorian Clark, their best receiver, he still hasn't played. He's questionable. If you don't get Frank Harris, you get uh, who Billy Lee Marburger, who's like a three-star kid. It gets dicey. Too many injury questions for me to get behind Meet Neep and still too many knowns with the Army offense. Not laying nine with this Air Force team. Still have questions about their offense. I know Utah State exploded last week, but it's against a defense that couldn't stop a nosebleed. And I'm off Utah, Maryland. So it looks like a pass for me on Friday night. Army UTSA is an underplay if Frank Harris can't go because UTSA has been fantastic at stopping the rush. They're seventh in defensive stuff rate, 19th in defensive line yards, which means they're going to be able to stop. Yeah, Yeah, they're really good. And uh, if it's not going to be Frank Harris going, I can see this being a just a very boring game to watch. So I would look for the under there all. Yeah. Especially if Clark's not in, they just lost their their really good tackle. So I would look for the under there, Maryland, Virginia. I think this Maryland number is going to take off. I I keep saying that. And it's still kind of hovering about 14 and a half, 15. I understand Virginia had a nice little offensive outburst against James Madison, but that is a James Madison defense. Not, not a not a Big Ten defense, so we'll, we'll see. You know if Maryland can uh, provide a better defensive effort there, but Virginia cannot defend explosives whatsoever. And Talia Tagovailoa and that Maryland offense—that's all they are—is an explosive powder keg. Can't move the chains, just big chunk plays. So I would take Maryland all the way up to seventeen. All right, let's go to second down. Our favorite overdog. It's called the overdog parlay. I already talked about mine. Yep. Let's, we're going with Iowa laying over four touchdowns. Good to twenty-nine and a half. I don't see how Western Michigan scores without flukes, and they might even give Iowa points on special teams and or defense. What could go wrong in Kinnick? But I'm rolling with the Hawkeyes. I'm going to go with a steaming Alabama in the market right now. I would stop buying at 35, but Saban has absolutely pounded non-Power 5 teams since the beginning of 2021. You can look back at seven games against the Middle Tennessees, the Austin Peays, the ULMs of the world, and the average score is 54 to 6.5. Saban has absolutely dominated these spots. Why did you push yourself? I'm going to take Alabama to roll here. I'd stop buying at 35. All right, and then let's go to third down before we close up shop here. Our favorite underdog in our underdog money line parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. Uh, I'll kick things off. I'm going to go with your boy, Billy Napier, and Florida to get it done against Tennessee. This is primarily a fate of Tennessee in that offense, which is just not clicking. Milton is just not not operating that offense efficiently. And I think Florida, the outright win in the swamp where Tennessee hasn't won since 2003. So let's roll with well, I saw you put the Gators in, and I agree. And I want to get one cash. So I was going to go long, Long shot with Northern Illinois, but nope. I'm going to take something a little bit shorter. Let's get this to the house. I'm going to go James Madison over Troy. This is not the same Troy defense that we were used to last year. 
through two games, they've nope. allowed 30 to Stephen F. Austin, 42 to Kansas State, who just kept adding and adding and adding every time Troy tried to cover that game. Troy has lost all their havoc. They're bottom 20 right now. There is no pass rush. They are not tackling behind the line of scrimmage. And Troy defensive quality drives right now is outside the top 100. Their defensive finishing drives outside the top 100. Everybody's marching up and down the field and getting points. It's a very bad sign for covering for Troy in the future. James Madison's playing great on defense against the rush. They just can't defend the pass. And I don't fear Gunnar Watson of Troy. He's already got three big time throws and five turnover worthy plays. As a matter of fact, his turnover worthy play rate right now is 8%. That's double what he's posted any other year, double what he's posted in his career. I love James Madison here to get it out right. All right, let's go Dukes. So James Madison and Florida for your Moneyline Underdogs. All right, that'll do it for us. It's a slate. It's not the prettiest slate, but it's a slate and there's lines. So us college football betters will enjoy it regardless. So let's have a weekend, have a winning weekend. And then from here on out, next weekend is absolutely electric. And then every weekend from there on out, filled with marquee matchups. We are getting into the heart of the college football season. It's great to be back. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. And before we get out of here, I do want to remind everyone, if you're into NFL Pick'em Pools, don't forget the Favorites Podcast free contest. Still open for registration. Only 3000 of the $120,000 cash prize pool has been awarded. You can't make money if you don't play, like Billy Napier would say. Favorites.actionnetwork.com. That's favorites.actionnetwork.com. So be sure to sign up and make your picks before Sunday. Literally costs nothing, so why not? All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, I do have a couple giveaways. Five-star reviews really help us out. Cabo Rave, thanks for the review. Maylox04, what up? Always see you out on Twitter. Telestar1, let's, yeah, that'll be it for now. Don't worry if you left the reviews. And if you already left one, leave another one. Grab someone else's phone. Five-star review, don't care what you say. We'll always do a bunch of giveaways. But if I mentioned you, reach out to our producer, Matt Mitchell, or myself, if you don't know who that is. And we'll get you some gear. But those really help us out. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, as always, to Colin. Thanks to our producer, Matt Mitchell, on the back end. Thanks to our video producers as well. Thanks, of course, once again to all of you. And make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, you know the deal. We will see you on Saturday morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern for BBOC Live. And then we will be back with a recap on Monday morning and weekday preview. And then the new BCS, which will air live on YouTube, Tuesday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern and then be out in podcast form later that day. And then, again, the group of five guys every Wednesday. Jam-packed schedule. Make sure you check it all out. All worthwhile. Thanks for tuning in. Let's have a weekend. Cheers. Peace out. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.